Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Attention pro athletes. Want to secure your financial legacy and thrive off the field? Oak Bridge Wealth Management, led by wealth manager Chris Anasetti, is your dedicated financial planning ally. But don't take it from me. Take it from the Dallas Cowboys' Tyler Biotish. He says, Chris set goals financially and has been incredibly impactful in my journey in the NFL. Experience our customized, comprehensive approach, trusted by top NFL players. Don't leave your financial success to chance. Connect with Chris on Instagram at OakbridgeWM underscore Anaceti. That's OakbridgeWM underscore A-N-I-C-E-T-E. And let Oakbridge Wealth Management guide you across the goal line. Welcome back to Believe in Badgers on the Believe Network, presented by BetOnline.ag and Oakbridge Wealth Management. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Excited to talk about the end, the the stadium, the end zone, the south end zone, where I, where I typically watch pretty much every single game I've been to this year and last year. So uh, very excited, but, you know, always when the podcast, when we have this podcast, it's, it's always a good day. It is always a good day. Uh, like Bernie said, we have Darren Nardo, uh, the uh, president and chief commercial officer of Four Tops, who did the seating in the South End Zone, which we are really excited to talk about. Darren, thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. I appreciate you guys having me. It was a fun project to work on. Awesome. Well, uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in from across the world. And for those of you who are, we want to remind you uh, that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at BetOnline. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we are going to start here by talking uh, a little bit about just getting into this very niche market of uh, stadium seating design, because let's face it, there's not, you know, it's, it's not like there are hundreds of thousands of stadiums just around the country that uh, are getting these kind of design. But I want to know sort of your personal backstory a little bit more. What was your, you know, what sports did you play with a kid? How did you get into sports and then just stadiums sort of growing up? Oh, man, it's it's so random that you that I find myself here in 2023 as a guy uh, installing seats in stadiums. That's for sure. Uh, definitely grew up around sports, played baseball, basketball, soccer as a youngster. Um, and then, you know, the, the story is an odd one. I have an old friend who uh, was in the early uh, 2010s working on, at a baseball stadium, designing furniture. He was an owner's rep for a new minor league ballpark and and designed what we initially came to the market with, which was a four top table. Hence our name. We had you know four swivel seats around a table, little low set up. Um, he um, so this old friend of mine designed the product, installed it and then watched people flock to it in the stadium that he initially put them into and uh, decided he wanted to commercialize the product. Uh, we went about uh, getting some uh, US, U.S. utility patent on the product and then went about designing a full line of, of products behind that uh, initial, we'll call it a flagship product. Um, 
reached out to me as, as an old friend who uh, I had been working for years in the, in the public relations world, in the sports world, uh, beer and sports, intersection of, of, uh, of beer and sports in the PR world. I was uh, representing Miller Brewing Company at the time, Miller Coors eventually, uh, working in with the NFL, NASCAR. So I had developed a little bit of uh, a know, know-how uh, to get around the sports world. Uh, I knew some, some folks in the sports world and um, he needed someone to help commercialize the product and bring a business model to it. And so uh, here, here we are 12 years later, but um, you know, we came to market with just one product uh, and he and I have uh, been, been plowing forward, trying, trying to make this thing work for 12 years to, to, to great success, partly because of folks like the Badgers who, um, who, who are innovating, you know, uh, uh, forward thinking stadium managers and operators are who we, uh, who we need in our orbit because Let's face it, the world's changing and then the um, the stadium, the fans have more to choose from. And so it's harder to get people into a stadium sometimes. And so, hey, let's make them comfortable. So I have a hundred questions about <laughs> the stadium, um, but you. So tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. This is my biggest question. The behind the south end zone, the end zones are typically the worst viewing for the sporting event. Is that kind of correct, at least in football? Yeah, I mean, we, we do tend to do a lot of work behind, you know, I mean, across the, the NCAA landscape, there is a ton of renovation work going on. And yes, you, you are seeing a lot of stadiums close in that area because it's, it's not been monetized in a lot of places. But yeah, it's not a great place to see a game, you know, certainly not as, as good as the 50 yard line or, or, or anywhere along the sideline. So it certainly stands the reason that, that those are the places that, uh, get looked at first um, when renovations are happening because of you know what, what you just said, and so you know these schools are looking at a spot that may be just an okay place to typically watch a game, and deciding they want to do something a little little upscale, a little more premium, um, oftentimes tied into something else, a club or you know an area on the concourse, or you know so so they're, they're, it's really a, a, a high focus of concentration on the end zones for for the reasons that you stated for sure. So. You said forward thinking. What makes Wisconsin – because the south end zone to me is really cool now. The old one was not cool at all. It's attached to the student, in, student center, right? It was, it was uh, right off the front of the, the student center. Across is the student center. Ah, right on. Okay. My bad. So the south end zone was – it's right by the field house. It's field like house, nothing – the, the bleachers before – you didn't even have bleacher creatures. Like it was just <laughs> – you know, I think they gave those tickets away to schools. So what what makes Wisconsin forward, you know, uh, futuristic? What makes the, what makes it what makes them better than like uh, I guess other places that you work with? Well, I mean, I, honestly, if I'm being really blunt about it, it's choosing our product over what else is out there. You know, we've come to the market and we've introduced a breathable mesh fabric that we put our that, that all of our seats are made of. And so, quite frankly, when when they were evaluating what to do in that end zone, uh, the mere choice of of going with a, a material that that you know, up till eight, 10 years ago, didn't exist in the sports world. You know, you had plastic seats, you had metal bleachers and you had, you know, if you were really upgrading a section, you had uh, padded vinyl seats. And so, you know, the, just the, the mere fact that they decided to choose a mesh seat, um, really is what sets them apart because, you know, some folks still aren't comfortable with it in a stadium environment, um, despite the fact that it is uh, proven to be more reliable and, and more durable than padded vinyl. Of course, it's it's breathable and cooler and more comfortable. Uh, but I mean, honestly, just that choice, because they had choices uh, in front of them to do typical, traditional, other kinds of materials, other kinds of seats that, you know, that it, it would be a look to the past uh, as opposed to a look to the future. 
what are some of the specific things you have to be cognizant of when it comes to Madison, Wisconsin, specifically given the harsh winters? Yeah, I mean, it's really uh, we don't <laughs> we we tend to have a little more success in the southern markets and, and baseball. You know, we really got our legs under us as a company doing baseball because baseball is a summer sport. So, southern parts of the country uh, tend to get obviously warmer, uh, but places like Madison, I mean, really, it comes down to that original. Uh, the days that we were engineering this product to be in the sports world, we really had to look at every environment and try to make something that was going to last in all those environments. And so it really comes down to over-engineering, uh, making more, you know, so we have a particularly strong seat. Um, it, it really is, is, is one that would last in, in, in heat as well as cold. And so it really, it's not Madison specific, Northern, uh, in a Northern, Northern part of the country specific. It's really just, um, initially my business partner, again, I mentioned he's the design brains, uh, behind what we do. And, and he's the guy that, um, really looks to over-engineer and test and, and, and really have assurances that let's be clear, um, football specifically, uh, has some folks in the crowd who you might, you might say, could be rough on a chair during the course of a game. Uh, if there's exciting moments and there's, you know, there's, obviously there are quite a bit in, in every game. Um, there's, uh, I think Wisconsin has alcohol, but every place we put our seats tends to have alcohol. So it really comes down to just over-engineering so that when we get tapped by Wisconsin to put our seats in, we're confident that it's going to stand the, 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 the elements and the humans. What are, what are some of those factors that we just don't know? You said, some exciting points, some, you know, weather. Is there any other, th- like alcohol? Because you can sure. buy alcohol in the South End Zone, but that's the only place. So your mm. chairs really need to be able to withstand. Well, I mean, the most common. Oh, sorry. I thought you were finished. My apologies. You know, I, no, I'm saying, like, Wisconsin tend to have some big people, too. I'm a huge person, and I sit in those seats, and I'm 265 pounds. And on game day, I'm probably 280. <laughs> so, like, what <laughs> – what are some more like, out, outliers that we might not think about that your chairs need to be able to sustain? Well, I mean, the most common one is if you think about, you know, you're in a, if you're in a typical row seating environment. Now, what we have in Wisconsin are caster chairs on wheels alongside of, you know, in front of a drink railing. So they're more of a premium experience. But we do, you know, most of what we do from a, from a volume standpoint is just typical row seating in the club or suites or, you know, in certain premium areas. And so the first one that comes to mind is, you know, you, you look down the aisle, you have people stuffed in next to you uh, to get to the staircase and you look up in the row above you is empty. So what do you do? You stand on the seat, you, you know, you stop on it, you put all your weight on the middle of the seat and you climb up to the row above you and you, and you shuffle out that way. Uh, that, that's a, just a very common one. Um, and then yeah, exciting moments, you, you know, you get, you get people jumping up and down, you know, you, if, if you're going to have a seat in a stadium, you, you really have to think about the, the most rowdy moments. If Wisconsin beat, um, who's your number one rival? Would it be Ohio state or, or Minnesota, Minnesota? So you, you beat Minnesota on a last second touchdown, you know, you don't know what fans are going to do. So it really, you know, th- there's obvious ones like the uh, getting in and out of an aisle. But, you know, you really have to think through the fact that uh, you, there isn't anyone controlling the behavior of fans. And so, um, you know, the, you have to really think, again, through the engineering of it all, because you don't want to put something in the marketplace that you're going to be uh, out every year having to, to, to replace a few here and there. You know, if I could, so, if I could, so, if I if I could get away from Wisconsin for one moment, um, you know, we do uh, we do golf tournaments, and the and the thing that we had to uh, eventually adjust for um, 
was some vomit that showed up on some chairs at a uh, at the Phoenix Open. We do we do we did golf uh, we do golf and we did the Phoenix Open for a long time. And my point of it all is you just you never know what's going to happen out there in a in a stadium environment, um, including people perhaps uh, perhaps being a little overserved. I mean, that wouldn't be the first time that happened at Camp Randall Stadium. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the South End Zone specifically. What were the biggest challenges in your design, the biggest hurdles that sort of came up in the process? And then also, like, how much like sway do you guys have versus like the, archi- the architect versus the construction management and the, that crew and stuff like that? What are those sort of conversations like, uh, you know, when it comes to that? Uh, great question. The second part of it, particularly, you know, because we do have a few avenues to get into a job like the Wisconsin end zone. You know, we, we are, um, have been since day one in the ears of the architects. Um, they're enormous, enormous part of our growth as a company is get, you know, cause architects by their nature are forward thinking. They're trying to innovate. They're trying to create new materials, um, you know, put different stuff in that. that you know, that's just what they do. They're, they're, they're not, um, resting on their laurels. They're always looking for the next thing. And so we, we, we always um, reach out to the architects and have a lot, you know, it's, it's pretty common when a job like Wisconsin gets bid. It's not, it's not private information. If, if we have our ear to the ground and if a job like Wisconsin comes up, um, we, you know, we find out who the architects are, the general contractors are, and we kind of, we flank it from all angles and just make sure that our seat's getting a fair shake to be chosen. Uh, but, a, you know, a job like Wisconsin, quite frankly, is, is one that we've executed in dozens of places um, across the NCAA landscape. You know, we did our first job similar to what we did at Camp Randall uh, out in Colorado back in 2014. So, you know, we, eight, nine years ago, we put some the exact same seat in, in Colorado, um, so we're, we're pretty well versed in, in what Wisconsin wanted us to do. We branded the seats, which was uh, doesn't always happen, but d- definitely gives them that nice custom custom look. And and, and colleges certainly gravitate toward um, branding and color schemes and all that. But nothing about the job specifically was was uh, was 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 a particular challenge. But to your second question again, you know, we we, we hit the the schools or the teams up for sure. You know, you have folks in the in the internal athletics department who are particularly dialed into. Um, making those choices. And so you try to get them to understand what your brand proposition is and the value of your chair is. But we're, we're always working on the architect. If the architect comes to the school and says, hey, this is um, the chair that we recommend, that carries a lot of weight in the final process. Attention athletes. Do you want a frictionless and tailored financial planning experience to secure your future? Well, look no further. Introducing Oak Bridge Wealth Management, the premier financial planning firm for professional athletes. Led by wealth manager Chris Anasetti, our team provides a unique and comprehensive approach, ensuring your financial success both on and off the field. We understand the unique challenges you face as a professional athlete, from managing cash flow habits to planning major business purchases and navigating complex contracts. That's why we've developed a proven process, working closely with our strategic partners to provide seamless solutions for your unique financial journey. Our services evolve with your career, offering short, mid, and long-term goal setting, portfolio optimization, real estate investments, and more. As you transition to life beyond the field, we support you with career development and philanthropic ventures. But don't just take our word for it. Top NFL players like Chase Boulier, Tyler Biotish, Alec Ingold, and more trust Oak Bridge Wealth Management to guide them towards financial success. Troy Dye of the Minnesota Vikings says, I really love the work that Chris and the rest of the Oak Bridge group do. 
I especially like the honesty and transparency when it comes to setting up financial goals and plans that best fit my needs and situation. It's time to elevate your financial game plan. Connect with Chris on Instagram at OakbridgeWM underscore Anicetti. That's OakbridgeWM underscore A-N-I-C-E-T-E. And join the winning team. And so what, how do you feel overall about the project? How do you, do you like the way it turned out? And like, what's your favorite part of the finished product? Oh, I, I think it's great. I mean, it, it's, it's such an incredible uh, spot. You're, you're basically on the field. Those lower, the lower rows particularly of that project are basically in the end zone. So it's a very special little spot um, for sure. Uh, it, 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 the part of it that I didn't like so much is that we didn't get chosen for the row seats just above it. Uh, we, we put we put our hat in the ring to do that entire project. But, um, you know, we do have a little bit of a specialty in these caster chairs. But no, I think I think it's just that, uh, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, the energy in that stadium uh, on a game day is something special. Uh, and, and the you know, that that proximity to the field is just you're on top of the action down there. And so it's it's one that was very exciting. I, and living in Chicago, I have, I have quite a few people in my orbit who are, are up in Madison a lot. And there's a lot of folks from Madison in the city of Chicago. And so um, I've, I've had random people who have learned what I do for a living. And like, oh, I, I think I sat in those seats at Camp Randall. And so it's always fun to have that uh, in your backyard where you, where you can kind of, to your original point, um, way back at the beginning of the interview, you said, what a weird little niche to be in. And it is, and it is an odd little niche. When I tell people that we develop, design, and sell stadium seats, they're like, excuse me, how that happened? And there's really, you know, there's really only five companies in the United States that, that do that, uh, four really. Um, so there's not a lot of exposure out there to this little market that we're in. So um, the Wisconsin was a particularly fun project being in such proximity with so many alumni in my orbit uh, who have gone to those games and have sat in those seats and, and, and they, um, they just love the atmosphere in Camp Randall. So it's a special place to be a part of. So a question about capacity and culture. Most of our stadium outside of some of the suites in the South End Zone are uh, benches, right? Steel benches. They are not that comfortable to sit in. And they put some vinyl, you know, seats that you can put on that like, you know, my mom brings to like anywhere she goes so she can sit comfortably. Is that a culture thing that you think will never go away? Like Wisconsin will never go away from? And then capacity, if we change the benches, what happens to our 80 plus thousand? Do we drop by 5,000? Do we drop by 1,000? I always try to figure that out if we put seats that are more comfortable in the stadium. It's a great question. And there's a couple of ways I want to go with that question. One, one is, uh, you know, so most colleges, uh, most college football stadiums do have a preponderance of those metal bleachers. They are being removed uh, across the country in swaths here and there um, to upgrade the experience. Uh, and, and it does inevitably reduce capacity uh, in most places. Um, but but what's what's really relevant is that most stadiums, almost all of them, have some room to give a little capacity back these days. I mean, your rivalry games fill up and it's crazy, but there, but there are the, uh, you know, many of the big schools don't sell out a lot of their games. I mean, there's some old, old school outliers there that just will not reduce their seat count. But, but what's been fascinating from our perspective is that more and more colleges are willing to say, you know what, we can, we can lose a 500 seats, a thousand seats, a few thousand seats, because uh, we're going to drive more revenue with better seating products, which is really our brand proposition. Our, our, the value in our products are that we're 
providing fans such a level of comfort and uniqueness. You know, we have seat table combinations, all kinds of products that tend to really raise the, elevate the experience. And so, you know, you can make more money by selling fewer seats in a lot of cases, in, in, in many, most cases. Um, and so it really comes down to the individual school's tolerance to lose a little bit of, uh, of capacity. Now, the other part of th- that I think about when you ask that question is, you know, we, we actually do that um, those bleacher seat backs that you see around the stadium in Wisconsin, those are uh, companies like ours um, co- go in and, and, and lease those seats to the school and then they sell them to their fans um, to put onto the bleacher to make it a more comfortable experience. The dirty little secret is if, if, if those are typically allotted 18 inches um, for a fan, it's, it's a pretty tough little little uh, cubic uh, space to fit in. I mean, I, I don't know how that's a, a good experience for anybody to be uh, wedged <laughs> into those little, little spots. Um, but the, the, we've had the conversation. I won't name names, but I've had more than one school say to me, hey, if we really looked at this and really re-manifested this, we're probably not giving everybody even those 18 inches. And we probably get ourselves in a little bit of trouble if we try to re-manifest this um, with different seats or with different bleacher attachments, et cetera. So, um, you know, it really comes down to an individual school's tolerance to reduce capacity. Because yes, in any case that you take a bench out and you put something else in, you are going to reduce capacity. Uh, but oftentimes, again, it more and more frequently and, and with more urgency and on bigger, on, on a larger scale, that's happening across the college landscape for sure. And it's it's not surprising. It's just a different environment. I mean, the um, the younger sports fan or, or most sports fans, there's more choice and there's more things to do on any given point in a day or a week. And so it's just inevitably harder to get more people to come into the stadiums uh, on a regular basis, buying season tickets and such. So um, it really is uh, pretty universal that schools will not just out of hand discount the idea that they can, that they're going to reduce seats. It's, it's a, it's not a non-starter as it probably was not all that long ago to say, Hey, what if we reduce our seat count? So just going off of that, then what do you think, or what innovations I should say are on the horizon in the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years for not just in stadium seating, but in stadium entertainment at large? Well, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a few things. I mean, stadiums are more and more frequently breaking up the bowl and doing a number of different things. Uh, A couple of examples, a couple, couple of examples from our past, I think really can answer that question. I remember being in uh, Jacksonville, the Jaguars have been clients of ours for, for 10, 11 years. And I remember putting seats in and they were at the same time putting in a new, um, a new video board, which at the time was maybe the biggest in the league. And I was talking to their front office and they said, Hey, we're going to put, um, red zone on some of these, you know, on some of these panels in this, in this TV, in the end zone. And at the time it felt a little, a little groundbreaking because, you know, the old adage is now oh, you keep everyone dialed into the game that you are there to see. And that mindset has changed. And so, uh, you know, there's more and more folks who just accept the fact that, Hey, if, if, if my fans are maybe going to come more, if they can also follow their fantasy team up on the the screen in the corner of, of the stadium or, you know, one part of that um, video board. Um, so I think, I think things like, making sure folks have other options as well while they're in the stadium. Um, the Atlanta Braves, you know, we, we put a lot of seats in the, uh, thousands of seats in the Atlanta Braves new stadium when they built Truist Park 
um, was SunTrust Park, now Truist Park, back in 2017. And two things stood out to me there. You know, they have you know bars and restaurants being around the stadium um, is absolutely on trend and will just continue to be a bigger part of stadiums where you can have folks um, gathering, having a drink, talking, socializing. There's a game going on that you sometimes pay attention to, you sometimes don't. Football is different than baseball, obviously. The, the, the level of excitement and the steadiness of action is varies from sport to sport. But um, the Braves also said so, so they had what's called the chop house out in right field and it's a bar and it's a bunch of people hang out there and they uh, it's a young crowd and they're socializing and they're out for the night and there's a baseball game going on and some might roll down into the bar stools and pay more attention than others. But um, that is a trend that is not going away. And I think you're going to see stadiums broken up more and more and more um, to have less of the the stuffed in row seating and more of these gathering space options. I mean, that's, that's, I'm not saying anything that um, folks in the industry w- would not agree with. And then, you know, the Braves in their club level had a closed circuit TV on all of the tables. You know, we did some of our half moon tables behind home plate in uh in that stadium and they put uh, a tv in there i remember being at opening day in in atlanta watching a hockey game at, at my table because they 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 just got that you wanted to have options and have things to you know they didn't want um to limit you and they thought you might attend more if you had more of a you know variety variety of what you were doing during those nine innings of baseball so i just think it's it's um Generally speaking, I would say that it's it's gathering spaces and just giving folks, you know, not being beholden to this idea that if you're not staring at the field, you're the enemy. It's just it's just where it's going. Young young fans just have, um, particularly, uh, I just have more that they want to keep in keep in touch with and dialed in with while they're at the game. And it's interesting because in the south end zone on the top, I don't know what it's called. Maybe Matt Perkins, you do, but I call it the party deck because it's just a big flat area that you can buy beer and play um, bags and kids can run around. To me, that's the only space in Camp Randall where if you have a young kid, they can enjoy it, but then you're paying premium prices because you're at the top and you can buy alcohol. Is that where stadiums are going where, where kids can go and have a good time and the experience is dialed towards them. So you can also get their parents or their my wife went to Wisconsin, so she would go to the games, but majority it's going to be me going with my kids. Is that where we're headed? I mean, I think that's probably an outlier example, particularly in football. And again, I have to literally look at every sport individually. I think that that football is, is its own special animal. And I think that it's pretty unusual to have that much space dedicated to, to family and, and playing bags. But in, in a you know, in a minor league baseball stadium in the, in the concourse out in the outfield, there's Ferris wheels. And, you know, we, we do we do a lot of work in minor league baseball. And, and quite frankly, minor league baseball has been very good to us because they are experimental. They have um, they're a fan friendly place. They don't control the playing on the field. They, their their players are being you know shuffled through the system. And so they have always been at the forefront of, of innovation. And so I would I'd be very unsurprised to see that in a minor league baseball stadium, but, but in a, in a college football environment, I think that's pretty special. I, I don't know that there'll be enough places that there's that much room or, or um, interest in dedicating that much space to things like that. But, you know, but in areas where I'll tell you where you might see that more is an area perhaps by a concourse where there might not be a view of the game where you can take your kids and um, you know, in, in a space that may not be, as obviously and easily monetized on a big in a big way, that kind of thing is definitely 
um, you know, prev- is, is becoming more prevalent in the in the bowels of the stadium where that aren't you know field facing. So, like you said, your kids get a little rammy. You can take them somewhere and do something, get a get a little ener- energy out. So, I think it's it's in, in the spirit of everything evolving, uh, everything uh, sports stadiums evolving. Um, that is more and more likely to happen than it ever was in the past, but oftentimes in, in non monetized spaces. Yeah, you mentioned minor league baseball. And, you know, I think going back to, you know, going to Madison Mallard's games and the duck blinds, that was always a fun, unique experience. I live here in Nashville. The Nashville Sounds have a ton of unique and interesting things that happen at their games. I mean, talk about bags. They've been doing that here for like almost a decade, I think, probably during that in-game experience. And I love, I love Sounds games. But Darren, what is your favorite like in stadium atmosphere in stadium experience we're not going to ask you to include camp randall because then we'd be putting you on the spot but let's say outside of madison what's your favorite in stadium we you know experience wow that's a great question you know the, the one of the <laughs> i'm going to say something that that i actually get a little sad at myself about but uh, i don't often go to games I, I have almost never sat in our own products my company's products Four games. It, it almost never happens. It's pretty shocking uh, how, how infrequently that happens. Um, it's a great question. I mean, I would say that the, the, we, we did the, um, you know, again, we do a lot of golf tournaments. We provide seating for a lot of the PGA tour events. And maybe this is cheating because it's not quite a stadium, but the 17th hole at um, the Players' Championship is a lot of fun. That, that's a really vibrant atmosphere. Um, same thing with the 16th at um, in uh, out in Phoenix. That, you know, we did that for a while. That's That's a that's a pretty special environment, but in the, in the permanent world, I am really drawn. I'm I'm having a hard time. I I don't often go to games. This is really embarrassing to say that as a a 52 year old guy with kids, uh, I've had this business for 12 years. I think I've been in our seats a half dozen times. Um, I mean, is that, is that a terrible answer? I I don't have a great one to, to, I don't want to lie. I don't want to sit here and lie. I I just, (laughs) I just like, I mean, you can you, you can always just say you can always just say and pander completely pander to us and tell us it's it's Camp Randall Stadium at night, but Camp Randall uh, Stadium at night. There you go. There you go. Um, well, listen, uh, we really appreciate you taking some time and talking us through this, talking South End Zone, because it's been a really hot topic amongst Badger fans for a couple of years, and it was really interesting to get some of those insights that I don't think, you know, a lot of people really have to really think about when it comes to the design. So, uh, Darren, thanks again. Where can people find out more about four tops? Yeah. The website is uh, the number four T O P P S.com. Uh, yeah, we have a, pretty, a website that'll show off a lot of the, the stadiums we've been to. Uh, I'll tease a little something. We're also, uh, rolling out a, a residential line of chairs, uh, in the spring that we're going to, if you like our seats in your stadium and you sat in them, uh, and, and, uh, want to bring them home. We're actually starting to roll out a line that will be a direct to consumer residential product with the same breathable mesh um, that has been battle tested uh, 11 years now in stadium environments, which which is as tough an environment as it comes. So uh, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Wow. Looking forward to it. Um, so thank you for spending some time with us here today. And thank you to everyone for tuning in here to Believe in Badgers on the Believe Network presented by betonline.ag and Oak Bridge wealth management uh appreciate you tuning in and until next time on wisconsin thanks guys thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube